Um, so this morning, uh, we're going to dive again into our Acts to the Ends of the Earth series that we've been working through over the last few months uh, with a couple of interruptions, good interruptions, but uh, today we're going to be looking at Acts 8. So if you've got a Bible, please feel free to, to turn there. Acts 8, we'll be reading verses 4 to 25 in just a moment. But um, if you were with us last week, you'll remember we looked at the verses before that where Stephen becomes the first follower of Jesus to die because he was a follower of Jesus. And um, so really, really significant changes happening in the, in the culture around Jerusalem, Judea, because of what's going on. Um, someone has been killed for following Jesus, and all of a sudden, believers are who were, before, up until this point, generally generally getting by with no real huge discomfort. There was a little bit of um, animosity from religious leaders and various um, people in authority in that time, but nothing really significant to have come just yet. And all of a sudden, persecution just breaks out hard against these people who've, who've become Christians, against, against people who've said, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus now. So if you're a Christian, all of a sudden, there's a real cost to it. It's not just getting by, going to the temple, enjoying, enjoying good fellowship. Though they were enjoying those things, all of a sudden, because persecution has come, Stephen has died as a result of being a Christian, massive persecution has come against Christians. People are now packing their bags and leaving. Because families are experiencing the fact that mums and fathers and cousins and what have you, are actually being torn apart from them and taken into custody, taken into prison because of being a Christian. The environment's changed. And we come to read the verses that we're going to read in a moment, knowing that all of a sudden, the environment has really, really changed. So, so for those who are following Jesus, now it comes with a real cost, and they're going, okay, I'm making a really hard decision here. Am I genuinely going to be a follower of Jesus, or am I going to just skirt that back under the rug and act like nothing ever happened. And um, before we get into that, I'd love us to pray. Maybe you can pray with me. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Remembering that line of that song, his name is the greatest name of all. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord Jesus, I pray as I speak this morning and as we look at this passage, these true events, Lord, that you'd speak to us. You'd, you, your word is a two-edged sword, and it goes to work in our hearts. And I pray this morning, Father, that you'd go to work in our hearts as we look at, at Scripture together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, quick question. You don't have to answer. But who here... Um, <laughs> Paul knows the question already, which is why his hand was raised. Who here finds that occasionally, just occasionally, maybe all of your life, in fact, you're an impulse buyer? There's, there's, a, few, there's a few. It probably depends on what it is that is being sold to you, doesn't it? So for some of us, we're just chocolate impulse buyers. I cannot help it. If I see some chocolate, I must buy it. That's probably a really unhealthy addiction, by the way. Um, but all of us are probably prone to being impulse buyers of certain things. And some of us, uh, you know, who are 
In romantic relationships, I'm thinking at this point, she buys those expensive things all the time, or he, he, everything he gets is above 100 pounds, and it's driving me insane. There are some things that just sell themselves, aren't there? And you don't have to have a smooth voice in a trailer on telly selling you this car. There are some things that just sell themselves. You think, ah, oh, that's you know, I've I've got to have that. I've just I've just seen it. That's all I've done. I've seen it from a distance, and I want that. Well, I'm going to propose to you that the scriptures we're going to read in a moment. There's a bit of that that goes on, and you'll see, hopefully, as we read together. I'll say no more. You can. Um, I probably won't look up as I'm reading, but you'll notice where we get there, and you'll go, ah, oh, oh, that was the moment. Yeah, the guy couldn't resist. He had to buy, or or at least explore. And so we're going to read um, Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through to 25. And it goes like this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Just a side comment. Persecution has hit hard. And those who were scattered, they weren't silent. Those who were going through really difficult stuff because of being followers of Jesus, they, went, they carried on. They were scattered, but they carried on speaking Jesus. That's really significant. It's a side point that's really significant. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Wow, that's amazing. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, Even Simon, the magician, himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he, the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, these new Christians, Samaritan Christians. Now when Simon saw, Simon the magician, saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon, the magician, answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. That's a, that's a really amazing story, and you'll find that the stories that we've looked at, true events that we've looked at already, are really amazing too. Acts is filled with 
extraordinary stuff that goes on. But all the apostles do is they come to the new disciples and they lay their hands on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Something must have happened in the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Something has to have happened. Otherwise, there's a few verses that wouldn't be here in this chapter. And it would just go on to say Peter and John carried on preaching the gospel before they got back to Jerusalem. Something happened. Something has happened to make Simon the magician, who probably previously quite enjoyed the limelight, he was a magician, he amazed everybody. He went, I've seen something, I want to buy that. (laughs) Now he was way off. He had misunderstood. Let me buy God. Let me buy the Spirit of God. No, no. But something has to have happened. This isn't, this isn't a nothing. Something has to have happened. And maybe you're visiting church today for the first time. Maybe you've come a few times. Maybe you've come a hundred times, in fact. But maybe you read these words or you've read them before and you think, you know, I've read that. I get that. I've read those verses before. They're familiar. But you're thinking, oh, there's... There's something in here, actually, you know, yeah, apparently something had to have happened. And that I'm unfamiliar with. You see, for the Christian, if you love Jesus, the Bible said, the New Testament, post-Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. If you're a Christian, then there is a wonderful expectation that is explicit through the New Testament that we as Christians should enjoy and can enjoy a tangible, infilling, empowering, receiving of the Holy Spirit. That's just, you, you can't avoid that. That's all over the place. Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit, something happening, something happening. And so as we go through this passage, there's just a few things I'd like to pull out. And the first is, the Holy Spirit is a gift. So Simon The magician obviously doesn't get this. He thinks it's a thing or a power that he can buy and, you know, I don't know, just uh, I'm going to use this power and essentially, I guess, maybe feeding his ego because he's not entirely changed having become a Christian. The Holy Spirit is a gift, a gift, the gift that God gives Christians, followers of Jesus. Why is it important to understand that? Because it means if the Holy Spirit is a gift, it's not something you can earn. If he is something that you can earn, he's not a gift, he's an entitlement. These guys were new Christians. They hadn't been holy for a hundred years. They hadn't separated themselves and lived in monasteries for yonks and yonks. They were new Christians. And God says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. Absolutely. Secondly, it means that we... There's there's nothing in and of ourselves that means that we warrant receiving the Holy Spirit. We do nothing to warrant the Holy Spirit. It's not like live holy, sinless for a month and then I'll give you my spirit. That's not what, that's not, that is not what we read through scripture, no. No, become a Christian and God will fill you with his spirit. He wants to fill you with his spirit. There's an expectation there that actually all we need to do is come to him. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be sinless for him to want to wonderfully, graciously fill you with his spirit, the spirit of God. You don't need to come 
in a certain way. Do, 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 do you get that? Because I don't even think we always get that, and I don't always get that, because sometimes I think, oh, I should, you know, I can't come and say to, oh, Lord, I really need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit right now, because, you know, I've, I've just had a day of being really impatient with my children or something else. No, he doesn't ask for us to be perfect before he gives us a gift. He doesn't ask you to be sinless before he gives you the gift. Another thing, the disciples were eager. They were thirsty to receive the Holy Spirit. How do you feel about that? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? I don't think these early disciples, uh, you know, having... Peter and John have just arrived. I don't think they were like, oh, put the brakes on. You know, I've just become a Christian. You're telling me you're just about to lay hands on me. Uh, No, there was an eagerness. There was an eagerness. They'd become Christians. They'd received the good news. We've just read that. Philip shares with them about the name of Jesus. They go, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I know I'm forgiven now. That's awesome. I get that. I've, I've, I've got that in my heart. God's forgiven me. He's brought me into the family of God. I'm a new creation. That's what the Bible says. When you become a Christian, they've, so they've, they've understood this. And now they're baptised. And now they hear that God wants to fill them with his spirit. And they don't go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, yeah, absolutely, please. Please, come on, there's a fullness. Yeah, I, let me receive that. There's an eagerness, there's a thirstiness. There's not a cynicism. There's not a cynicism. I think we live in a culture that's very, very cynical. No, yeah, please. Yeah, I've just received the gospel. I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God now. He doesn't hold my shame and my guilt against me. No, he's, he's clothed me in his righteousness and you tell me that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, please, bring it on. They thirsted. After I became a Christian, the age of, um, well, I kind of recommitted again. Um, at the age of 16, um, I was at a Christian youth camp called New Day. A lot of our young people go there uh, at the moment, so it's still going. So it's obviously just a couple of years old, at least. Um, and... Uh, and so it's a, it's a week of camping. It's a great week, brilliant week. There I said, Jesus, I want to follow you again. Lord, I want you to have my heart. I, I believe you. And, uh, and the next week, because my family loved camping so much, we, we went camping again. And I had my own tent, so it was brilliant. And that week, you know, after the week of New Day that I'd just been on, where there's lots of loud noise and good music, but loud and lots of emotion, and I said, Lord, I'm going to sit with you in my tent. And I'm just going to say, Lord... I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm thirsty. There's, there's a fullness to what you've got for me, Lord, and I want to I receive that. And, and so I, I prayed, and it felt like ages. I was just sitting there, kneeling in my tent. Jesus, I want to follow you. I've, I've recommitted to follow you. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I sat there. And I, for me, at the age of 16, it felt like eternity. I must, it, might, it was probably more like 15, 20 minutes of just sitting there saying, Lord, fill me, fill me with your Spirit. I know I need you. I want to feel empowered to, 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 to honour and to glorify you and to live for you. And I don't know, 20 minutes elapsed and nothing. And then all of a sudden, as I was kneeling in my tent, I just felt the Spirit of God come on me. And, and for many of us, you know, that, that, that manifestation sounds like a very spiritual word, doesn't it? It always feels very heavy. But we, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, sometimes we do different things. Um, but he's not going to put you in an uncomfortable position. No, in fact, 
as you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll experience freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You'll experience freedom. You'll experience joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I was thirsty. These disciples, they were thirsty. If you come to my house, having walked a long, long way, in the, in the, in the height of summer, which I, I concede in England isn't very hot, Okay, if you could put my house in the Sahara Desert for a minute, you'd get the analogy a bit more. And you come to my house, and I offer you a drink, and you say, no, I don't need a drink, but I know that you've just walked 20 miles, walked 20 miles to get to my house. I'm going to think, you do need a drink. Why are you saying, is my water bad? What's wrong? <laughs> you need a drink. Dietitians are constantly telling us, aren't they? You need seven pints a day. Most of you live on two. What's wrong with you? That's probably true. The same is true of us. We need his spirit. In John chapter 7, the Gospel of John chapter 7, Jesus says at the end of a feast, he stands up and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This he said of the Holy Spirit. He said, if anyone thirsts, there's a requirement to be thirsty if the journeyer who goes through the Sahara Desert to come to my house, I don't live anywhere near there, this is how the analogy is going, comes and says, no, I'm, I'm going to refuse your drink, and I'm saying, you're thirsty. Come on, mate, you're, you've just walked through scalding heat. How are you refusing a drink? You must think there's something wrong with the water. Friends, we live thirsty, and God says, I will, I can, Jesus said, I can give to you. Come to me. Rivers of living water welling up inside you there's more there's a fullness friends there is a fullness that we can enjoy following Jesus which is experiencing tangibly experiencing being filled with the Holy Spirit being encouraged being emboldened being, being, being receiving joy in our hearts that affirms your salvation so that in your spirit you say Abba Father The other thing that we see from this passage is that the Holy Spirit is not just a gift, he is the gift. He is the best gift. And I want to I touch on something I think maybe I've already touched on. We live in a cynical society. And I think we come to this very often. We, you know, we, we love this. I read, I read the Bible every day. You know, my quiet time is this three hours of reading Scripture. Um, and then great and I'm happy to raise my hands in worship but how often are you still before God saying Lord fill me with your spirit fill me again the apostle Paul says go on being filled with the Holy Spirit in the same way that you need to drink every single day go on being filled with the Holy Spirit and I think I don't do that all the time and I don't think I'm the only one I think you don't do that either and we need what? It's, like, it's like walking through the desert and refusing drink. No, I'm all right. No, I'm all right. No, you're not all right. You need the Holy Spirit. God's got life for you in abundance. And joy, if you're feeling thirsty, if you're feeling, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're not feeling full of boldness. And we need this time and time again as we, as we walk the journey of following Jesus. But he's got life for us, friends. He's got life for us beautiful experiences for us to enjoy as he fills us. It's not a weird thing. I think we grieve the heart of God 
when we say, oh, I'll put the brakes on, I'm happy to receive the gospel. Uh, you know, I believe that God's forgiven me. And then someone says, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And we go, I'm not sure. I think we grieve God's heart. He has got the best gift for us. And would we say, oh, no, 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 I'm all right. I think I'm a bit uncomfortable. I don't know what's going to happen. He is a good God and he is a good giver. In, in, um, In Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus says, if you then, talking about us, if you then who are evil know how, to good, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you then who are evil know how to good, give good gifts. If you're a parent in a room, and you know, even if you're perhaps just, just a generous person in a room, at Christmas time we get the opportunity to give gifts. In context of what Jesus says, he's talking about us who are evil giving gifts to our children. At Christmas, I love giving gifts to my children. I give them a gift and, they, and they're like, yes, that's what I asked for. And they punch the air and they're like, woo, dad, I love you so much. Thank you for the gift. That doesn't always happen. They get preoccupied with the gift. But if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, Jesus said only God is good. So if God is good and the standard here is knowing how to give good gifts, how much more the gift that God has got for us, the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God to be filled with. He is good, friends. And I want us to, I'd love us to respond in a moment. Maybe the band can come up and, um, and we'll sing a song in a moment. Maybe we'll just have a bit of instrumental time. But friends, this requires a response. It requires a response from us because we don't want to just, I don't want to stand up here and tell you all of that and go and sit back down and you go, oh yeah, great sermon, Phil. No, no, no. We want to be those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who experience, because the New Testament is filled again and again, with people who have experienced the tangible, wonderful infilling of the Holy Spirit, empowering of the Holy Spirit, emboldening of the Holy Spirit, joy that the Holy Spirit gives. And so if, you've, if you don't think you've experienced the wonderful, tangible infilling of the Holy Spirit before, I would love to invite you to come down this side in a moment and I'd love to pray for you. It's not a weird thing. We, oh God, let us not grieve the heart of the Father. He's got good gift for us. So if you're in that category, in a moment, I'd love you to come down here. I'd love to pray for you, that you would experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the joy that he's got for you. Maybe you're not there and you just think, you know, I've, I've, I've received the Holy Spirit um, many times before. We are to be going on being filled with the Holy Spirit, but maybe you're thirsty. I think all of us, to be fair, are thirsty. And so I'd love us to just spend a bit of time asking. Jesus says, how much more will the, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There is something about asking. There is something about asking. If you don't ask, if you come to my house don't ask for the drink, you're not going to get a drink. No, well, hopefully I'll offer you one first. This is on offer. But if you don't take the drink, it's, it's on you. But there is wonderful fullness that God wants you to enjoy the good of. And that's the overflow, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, friends, why don't we stand together?
let's, let's respond. If you're in that first category and, and maybe you've not ever experienced the tangible infilling of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't, it, it can look different from different people. I'd love you to be really, really brave. No pressure. There's no pressure. But I'd love it if you'd be really, really brave. Just come down to the front on my left, your right. We would love to pray for you. There's friends here who would love to pray for you. We've already had invitation to pray for those who respond. Maybe you're just thirsty. You know, I, I, I'm living thirsty. Then why don't you respond where you are as well? And if you, if, if, if you can't come to the front for whatever reason, but you're comfortable raising your hand, please raise your hand. We'd love to pray for you. There's a fullness, friends. There is a fullness for us to enjoy the good of. There is a joy for us to experience that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a perseverance in hardship that comes when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to help us. We cannot live. We are weak. We need His help. If you're in any of those categories, if you'd like to respond and come down to the front, raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. Some friends would love to pray for you. So please do come down now. The rest of us are going to just receive ourselves and, um, and just invite the Holy Spirit. Enjoy God. So if you're not coming down here, there's a, your participation in this is to receive yourself and to enjoy God, which means ask. So let's do that together, friends. Let's do that.